This is the Barbecue Central Show podcast being generated from a live recording of the Barbecue Central Show, which airs at thebbqcentralshow.com every Tuesday between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices. Visit them at thebbqguru.com or call them 800 800- 288-GURU. And by Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply. Sauces, rubs, grills, smokers, everything for the outdoor chef. Visit them online at tastylicksbbq.com or call them 800-677-2882. And by Butcher Barbecue. Manufacturers of premium injections, rubs, and sauces. Visit them online and take full advantage at butcherbbq.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jeweler. Official jeweler of the Barbecue Central Show. Visit them at stephendefranco.com or call 440-943-2700 and use keyword Barbecue Brother to receive all the discounts. And by iGrill, manufacturer of Bluetooth-enabled temperature, which is generated and sent to your smart device. You can find out more information by visiting iGrillInc.com. Use promo code CENTRAL to get 15% off your entire order at the iGrill Inc. store. And by Green Mountain Grills, one of the country's premier pellet grill manufacturers. Three different sizes to choose from, something to fit in every budget, and find out more by visiting GreenMountainGrills.com. And by CookShack, the country's premier manufacturer of electronic and pellet-driven cookers, servicing the residential, commercial, and competition markets. Visit CookShack.com for more information. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening, and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. It is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. We broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. It is no longer up for debate. The Barbecue Capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Grempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. Should you see fit to join the show tonight, two bits of contact information. A 216 phone call, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Either way is amenable for your content Donation to the show. Everything else that you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening coming up in about 13 minutes from now, the second Tuesday of every month. Brings the creator of the most heavily, heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling forums on the interwebs, Meathead Goldwyn, will be joining us. At 9.14, 9.35... On the menu tonight is ham, amongst other things. Uh, there is a name out there. I believe it's called charcuterie. I might not be saying that correctly. That's fine. Something that rhymes with C-H-U-T-E-R-Y. 
Shooteray, charcuterie, whatever. We're going to be talking about that as well. So fun stuff. We got, you know, the Easter stuff coming up, Mother's Day, the ham, whatever. A lot of ham talk from two hams, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I'll be here all week. And then we'll move to the second hour, 1014. A frequent guest to the show, somebody I just love to talk the culinary industry with, a master of his own webcast, radio show, cooking classes, multiple-time author, multiple-time to the Baker's Dozen Tune 13 Emmy Award-winning Sam Zion, a.k.a. Sam the Cooking Guy. And rounding out the show, you know, Sam's Club is a, not Sam the Cooking Guy's Club, but Sam's Club, the place where you buy stuff, has this little barbecue competition series. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, This person joining me to come out of the bully tonight, a loyal centralite and a third place overall take this past weekend in Renton, Washington, the pitmaster of Lake House Barbecue, Diane Mee. Not you. Diane Mee will be joining us. So, yeah, looking forward to it. It's a jam-packed show. You're more than welcome to jump in. Should and if you see fit, 216-220-0966. That's the phone number, and you can email me, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. All right, do it right now, folks. Fire up your internet browsers. Ditch the porno for one second, please, if I can make a humble request. And get it out there. The show is up and running. We're live. We're doing it live. We're going to do it live. Fuck it. We're going to do it live. Right here on Tuesday. And say, hey, Facebook or tweeters or LinkedIn or Tumblr or Reddit for the nerds. Barbecue Central show is on, folks. Hello. Is this thing on? The show is live right now on Tuesday. A couple different websites you want to link up. The main website for audio, thebbqcentralshow.com. If you want to watch it on the video, computer stuff, outdoorcookingchannel.com, the simulcast, the video simulcast partner of the show for about seven years now. Maybe not seven, but a number of months, have we said in the past, right? Yeah, number of months. Also, if you have Roku, we're on there live as well. Download the Outdoor Cooking Channel app in the Roku app store, and you do have a live feed option. You also have the opportunity to check out there for archives of my show, plus a number of other shows. And don't forget, as far as replays are concerned, you can subscribe to iTunes for replays widely, the most used to get replays of this show or to subscribe through the podcast through iTunes, search Barbecue Central Show. Get the one with the fiery grill on there. Don't get the one with the car. I mean, you get the one with the cartoon guy too. That was the very first version of the show. Uh, done strictly in podcast, all pre-recorded stuff, edited down for succulents, and then uploaded to the worldwide internets for your listening enjoyment. And then we morphed here in the live show. No editing on the live show. Take it for what it's worth. Also, the YouTube channel, which depending on how the YouTube monitor people work, sometimes the video gets blocked because I've yet to get rid of the damn Tears for Fears music on the out for the first hour, which I have to do to keep the show legal. Because evidently it's been blocked in certain countries where people can't get it. Like the United States. Last show, I guess, was a little bit uh, blocked, if you will. So if you ever run into that instance where, you know, if you're a YouTube person, if you go to the main website or you go to the Outdoor Cooking Channel, you can get the video archives fully there, both places. 
never be blocked. I'll play all the illegal music and use all the illegal clips that I want. Kevin is not going to hold my feet to the fire, nor will I hold my own feet to the fire on my own website for replays of the video side. So uh, there's no reason you should ever miss anything that has to do with the show ever. By the way, talking about last week's show, one of the most highly rated shows ever on the face of the earth in relation to the Barbecue Central show. Aaron Franklin joined the show last week for one, nay, two segments, and we talked pretty much about it all. We talked about how he got into barbecue, if he grew up around it. He'd relayed the story of how his parents were actually barbecue restaurant owners when he was growing up and uh, that he decided to go ahead and uh, get his own restaurant. Uh, it was a, like a trailer, concession-style trailer, I guess, to begin with, and then that has uh, since morphed through the success into the place that it is today out there in Austin. Uh, voted best barbecue. We asked, uh, does that put any extra pressure on you when you see the huge line, you get all the media attention about having the best barbecue and so on and so forth. He's like, yeah, you're damn right. Nervous. I don't know if it necessarily affects his sleep pattern, as we found out. However, he's got some pretty hefty shoes to fill each and every day and making sure that the gang that rolls in tomorrow, Wednesday, hump day on a Franklin barbecue hump day, doesn't feel they haven't gotten the best barbecue in Texas. That's the standard. I mean, heaven forbid you live in a barbecue mecca and you are uh, not self proclaimed to a lot of people proclaim to have the best this or the best that for instance there's a lot of other barbecue shows on a bunch of different websites that proclaim to be the best barbecue show there isn't what you would call an independent panel or magazine or whatever that is going around and evaluating barbecue radio shows or internet shows I mean, let's be honest, it's not a radio. This isn't the Barbecue Central Radio. I mean, we say it's a Barbecue Central Radio show, but really it's the inter- it's an internet show. It's the Barbecue Central Internet show that talks about barbecue and grilling. So there's no organization out there right now that is putting its valuation of what's what benchmarks are set in place to have the best barbecue show and then generate a list. Well, that's not what happened to Aaron Franklin. Texas Monthly came out, made its valuations of who has the best barbecue, and he sat atop. So this isn't, you know, king of all media type stuff. This is somebody coming out and saying, hey, you have the best barbecue. Now live up to those shoes, ladies and gentlemen, every day. We talked about the line. We talked about Jimmy Kimmel stuff. We talked about how you make some good brisket, for crying out loud. And really, I didn't have a lot to do with additional ingredients now given his setting as he said you know cooking a ton of meat a day was it a ton of meat a day i think it was two thousand pounds a day maybe it was a week i forget but he doesn't have time to do a lot of the stuff that you would normally hear take place on this show especially from the competition side of things and perhaps would be cost inefficient to be doing a lot of the uh the, the fancy rubs and flavor profiles things of this nature but Said, you know, the key thing to producing a good brisket is having a good cooker that has airflow and that you're able to build a clean fire. I think perhaps uh, amongst all the other gadgetry and seasonings and injections and all this other stuff, perhaps its most basic element 
has been kind of uh, not sidestepped or overlooked per se, but just kind of you know pushed off to the side a little bit. Know how to cook the meat properly, and having a good vessel that might help you out a little bit. Meathead coming up out of the break, believe it or not, Meathead for his second Tuesday of the month appearance. But maybe before Meathead, you've decided that you hate standing next to the hot grill and waiting for your food. Damn it, me too. Let iGrill take care of it. The iGrill 2, the iGrill Mini, both Bluetooth grilling thermometers that will work with your iOS device to let you know when your food is perfectly cooked from up a hun- uh, from up to a 150 feet away. That's almost like from first to second base, minus 30 feet. That magnetically mount to your grill or smoker. They come packed with pretty awesome features like graphing, minimum and maximum temperature settings, and custom alarms. The powerful yet compact single-probe iGrill Mini comes with, complete with proximity wake-up and LED temperature indicators that go through a range of colors based on doneness. Red lets you know your food has reached its target temperature, while green, yellow, and orange show its progress. Get your own iGrill Mini for $39.99 at this website. The letter I, then Devices, and then Inc. I-N-C. iDevicesInc.com. Or check it out, if you can, at your select Lowe's stores. You know Lowe's stores, right? Look like Sam's Club, but they're Lowe's. Jimmy Johnson drives a Lowe's car, I think. Jimmy Johnson's a NASCAR driver, for those who don't know. The iGrill 2, bigger and badder. Fully illuminated display with four probes for maximum temperature tracking. This one will start shipping next month, so we're scooting through April with quickness. In May, they will start shipping. You can pre-order your iGrill 2 right now for $99.99 and get free shipping on any order of $50 or more at iDevicesInc.com. Once again, that uh, website, the letter iDevices, and then Inc, I-N-C, iDevicesInc.com. Follow iGrill on the Facebooks for exclusive offers and barbecue updates. Don't forget, some of these things have the uh, Facebook integration where you can see what everybody else is cooking that has an iGrill all over the world, let alone the country, the world, like Canada and Brazil and Texas, just to name a few places. Again, iGrill Mini, $39.99, iDevicesInc.com, or at select low stores, and then shipping next month, the iGrill 2 for $99.99. That gets you free shipping because it's over 50 bucks iDevicesInc.com, and we are back with Meathead right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Yeah. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, we are back. Uh, 216-220-0966 is the uh, number if you feel... Uh, brave enough to call in, especially during this segment. Uh, Greg at the BBQ Central dot com is the uh, email address. Should you see fit to jump in on the show tonight, 
Of course, when this music gets a rockin', there's only one person that comes a knockin'. It is the creator of the Amazing Ribs website, Meathead, joining us here on the show. Meathead, how are you? Hello, Greg. How's the Cavalier of Barbecue? Doing absolutely... Oh, well, that didn't work very well at all. Oh, all right. Well, what did I do here? Lock? <laughs> it should I be, hear you. I know, but it sh- I should have... Oh, all right. Well, Don't you worry know what? about it. Fuck it. We'll do it live, Meathead. <laughs> You're look, look at now. Look at Meathead. You have a uh, you have a, uh, you have a mullet going. You have a mullet going. Oh, I, my hair's been kind of getting wow. long. My... When the baseball cap, you can see it. I don't know if Actually, you noticed or not, but look at I'm uh, I'm growing out a little bit too. Yeah, yeah the, oh, I see yeah. the beard is oh, gone now. Oh yeah, we've ditched you're, you're, the beard. We're we're looking good. We got to keep it professional these days. You your know? face is changing every day. Oh yes, hitting the ground faster than we can count. <laughs> <laughs> and as the wrinkles uh, join, so uh, are you mourning the loss of the Florida Gators? Uh, didn't yes, even make I am. it to the finals. Yes, I am. There's my Gator hat. Yeah. Um, class of '71, back before they invented basketball in Florida and barbecue. Uh, and <laughs> no, no, I there's a you know that's a a good lead in. All right. I, I've never told the story about how I learned barbecue, and it's a good story. It starts in Gainesville, uh, University of Florida. Um, I used to um, hang around the kitchen at the fraternity house, and there was a big old chef named James, and he used to smoke cigarettes while he was cooking. One day I turned around, and he was stirring a big pot of mashed potatoes, and he uh, was putting in the black pepper, and I had a big cigarette with an ash on it, and then I turned back and looked, and the ash was gone, and he was still stirring away, you know. <laughs> the black oh, pepper boy. and a little uh, cigarette ash mixed in there. But James was in a barbecue, and James sent me down into the neighborhood of a uh, section of town that uh, uh, white Jewish college kids never went into. And uh, I met Y.T. Parker, Barbe- uh, Parker, who had Y.T. Parker's barbecue in an old shack, and he had an old pit out back that was dug in the ground, an old open pit. Wow. And he and the boys used to hang out out back of the pit, and they let me come out and sit around and drink beer with them, and they taught me barbecue. And Y.T. had um, several grades of pulled pork, and he had a, bullet, a blackboard up on the wall there, and uh, – you could, uh, if you could eat it hotter than the hottest one the last guy ate, you got to name it. And the last time, I, I don't have a lot of heat tolerance, so it wasn't me. But when I was there last, the hot one was called Super Saber Jet. And uh, it was quite a place. It was a classic s- s- black Southern American rural, because Gainesville is almost in the, up to Georgia, you know, it's really not part of Miami, <laughs> and it's it was a great place to learn barbecue. And YT was a great teacher, and uh, those old boys hanging around the pit out back, uh, uh, they were worthless, but they <laughs> it was fun hanging with them. Well, and that and that's how the barbecue uh, fires were stoked, per se. Absolutely, a college boy. Well, uh, Mita, that is an enthralling story. Thank you for sharing. I, well, you know, you brought up, we mentioned Gators and Gainesville, and it came to mind. <laughs> Who knew that Bar... I, I, you know, I don't even I think... i got to show you something else. You know, think... I'm, on a, I'm on a rambling oh, mode today. Right. Go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. I you was going to say, typically, if you talk with people, uh, Florida not considered by pretty much everybody to be any type outside of the competition stuff. I don't even think a lot of Southern people consider Florida to be part of the South. 
Well, it's a suburb of uh, Miami. Is particular is a suburb of New York. Um, exactly. Or, or some say Israel. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but uh, but um, actually, northern Florida is really as much a part of Georgia and Alabama as anything. And that's where its roots go back. And there's a good barbecue history. And what a lot of people don't realize is um, – Hernando de Soto landed in uh, right just south of uh, Tampa Bay in uh, 1539, and uh, he brought with him the first hogs to North America on that trip. And uh, they uh, they cooked hogs down on uh, the Florida Peninsula uh, before anybody else. And uh, uh, there were um, Indians down there that they uh, had uh, parties with and uh, also battles with. And uh, there's a barbecue history. And in fact, I really honestly believe that smoked mullet, which is a classic, traditional, old Florida smoked fish, is one of the classic American barbecue styles. I rank it right up there on my website and in my mind. And one of these days, I'm going to write about American barbecue history in maybe a book. We've got to finish the other book first. But uh, uh, I think smoked mullet is a really important uh, American barbecue style. And uh, it's Florida. AmazingRibs.com creator Meathead Goldwyn joining us here on the show. Uh, what else are you rambling about tonight, Meathead? I got I to gotta show you. The, you know, I'm, I'm a gadget freak, right? Yeah. And I, I'm always got playing with all the new gadgets, so I got to show you my coolest new gadget. Magnetic sunglasses. Is that cool? Uh, yeah. Uh, Meathead, cool? guess what? Welcome to right 1974. On. No. Hello. With magnets? Yeah, my dad had those like 15 years ago. Shit, I thought I found something new. Well, <laughs> back to the drawing board, Meathead. All right, okay. so we uh, got other, uh, other other gadget news. Um, oh yes, great. I got I got the call today from ThermalWorks. All right, uh, hush hush, uh, coming out on Sunday. Nobody's listening. Um, they're shipping it to me tomorrow. A new um, hundred and ten dollar, which is more expensive oh, than the Thermapen. Yes, um, Thermacouple handheld instant read uh, thermometer. With a uh, new and improved backlight and all kinds of good stuff, uh, so all you gadget freaks who own thermopens now have uh, something to, new to lust after. Well, th- so I this also- will be a thermopen, a new like an upgraded no, thermopen. It's a, no, it's going to have a different name. It's going to actually compete with thermopen, I think, in house. I haven't had a chance to really learn much about it. I'll have one tomorrow. Oh, great! Uh, I just also received the new eye Celsius thermometer which is a uh, actually comes out of Ohio somewhere. Um, and uh, this is a Wi-Fi device. Uh-huh. It's a little box about the pack of uh, about the size of a deck of cards. And it has a uh, probe and it speaks Wi-Fi, um, which is much better than Bluetooth. Yes. Um, and it's easier to hook up and it has longer range and it will talk to your uh, Wi-Fi network, which means if you're working in an office place downtown, yep. you can actually watch your cooker at home. I haven't had a chance to check it. It just came in. And um, what else is cooking in the summer? And uh, I heard also from uh, one of your sponsors, you may have heard this also, I don't think I'm spilling illegal beans, All right. uh, that there's a new version of the Party Cube coming out. Uh, the Party Cube being that, what, $129 Little battery operated uh, yes. temperature. Self contained, runs on AA batteries. Love that little sucker, the f- put it on my Weber kettle with a smokinator. Right. Works like a charm, and he's got a new and improved model coming out very soon. So that's cool, too. And uh, hopefully, it'll keep the price price under $150. Um, 
So all kinds of fun stuff in the thermometer world. I, I don't think – have we talked about the fact that I have hired an electrical engineer to test thermometers? No. Meet oh. had the the, uh, the cash <laughs> reserves at uh, AmazingRibs.com must be yeah, yeah. In the, numbering in the millions of dollars. Wow. Just rolling in the dust. How the hell uh, – you've – for many you know, months uh, over the last couple of years, I was gamefully unemployed. You're hiring all these rat bastards, and here I was barely eating government cheese. Where the hell were you? Thanks for nothing. Wow. Um, I got a uh, retired electrical engineer who uh, uh, is testing thermometer. We bought him all kinds of bench testing equipment yeah. that measures the precision of the thermometer, how long it takes to go from one temperature to another, and then he's going to end the testing with a five-foot drop test. See if they survive. You're kidding. <laughs> the suicide drop. Wow. Um, and we're building a database, and I just spent about three grand on thermometers and sent them all to him. So we're going to have the ultimate thermometer database. Um, hopefully in the next 60 days it'll be up and running. How many, how many thermometers are out there for you to test? Um, are we talking hundreds upon hundreds? I just purchased about 100. You're kidding. No, no. Um, between Polder, Thermoworks, Taylor, Maverick. Tell True. Uh, Right, and all the stuff that's on Amazon, uh, uh, just bought everything we could find that was looked like it was worth testing, and we want to put it through its paces, give it a serious test, and uh, come up with some recommendations. And uh, uh, now all of this has been purchased. This hasn't been given to you where you would potentially yeah, look at, uh, you know. Well, the, the ice Celsius and the new item from Thermalworks, it's coming in tomorrow. They sent those to me, but everything I just, I just, you know, spent about so, five, somewhere around three grand look, on well, thermometers. If, if a ther- oh my god! If a therm, if a, th- let's say I made thermometers and I send it to you, uh, do you tell people right up front, hey, uh, I am a independent, heavily trafficked website, and I am for the consumer first, and whether you've mm-hmm. given the, the me, we actually this, have a written policy. Can I get a goddamn word in edgewise on my show, Meathead? Lay back just for one second. Let me compete. Will you <laughs> will you say, uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether if I buy it or you give it to me, if I don't like it or if there's failures, I'm going to say it and it's going to be on my website, like it or not. Uh, seller or giver beware. Please answer now. Well, there, there is this little audio gap between you and me, you know, so I sometimes have to fill it. Yeah, the gap is your mouth, Mita. <laughs> Hello? You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, yes, we have a written policy, and um, uh, we send it to them in email, and we let them know exactly how we test and what our policies are, and that if they ship us a sample, uh, we, t- we, we say if it's a, f- a sample provided or if something we bought um, uh, on the website. And we, we I mean, Max... Max Good works for me full time. He tests grills. We just came out today with our top ten um, charcoal grills, best top ten best value charcoal wow. grills for 2014. Gas grills, top ten, and smokers for 2014, top ten of each. So there's 30, and you can find the list on our homepage, amazingribs.com, right on the uh, what's new section there. Just came out with it today. Should be in tomorrow's Huffington Post, and we're getting ready to oh. put out press releases on it. We made some really nice trophies for the manufacturers. Look, when um, you uh, when you use the word value, if you're yeah. a sales professional like me, you know that's one of those hot button words that people yep. like to use. So, what kind? But 
there's always criteria in the background of the word value. So what do you use to come up with your top 10 charcoal grills, gas grills, and smokers? Well, uh, first of all, Max kicks the tires, and we have uh, uh, we have tests that we do to measure evenness of temperature and all kinds of stuff that we try to be objective about. But, you know, subjectivity is important. How easy is it? Uh, ergonomics, how good is it to use? And then we look at it, and we say, okay, here's two grills for $300. Which one do we like better? You know, and uh, and we tried to pick a range. Uh, about twelve of the thirty are under five hundred dollars, but you know, grill good grills are getting up in price. Yeah. You know, you know who was the one of the big big prize winners? Uh, we've just fallen in love with. Uh, this is not news to your followers because they know about this. Uh, we've fallen in love with the uh, pit barrel cooker, two hundred and sixty nine dollars delivered to your door. Uh, it's a Weber Smoky Mountain Killer. Uh, it runs a little hot, uh, but it's really set it, forget it. Um, everybody who uses it falls in love with it. It's building a real cult following. Uh, built in Colorado, it's a barrel, so it looks machismo, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's just a cool little tool. Two sixty nine. Now that was one of our top ones. Uh, there's a new uh, one from Denmark, a grill from Denmark that we liked a lot. Uh, right up there with the Weber kettle. A um, whole bunch of good stuff. Uh, Max does this full-time now. Uh, over 300 grills in our database and smokers and gas and charcoal. Um, and that's all he does is test them. So, uh, uh, now, does he own all of these, or is he getting loaners and, and allowed a Combination. Certain... Jeez. Combination. So is he does he house them at his house, or do you guys have, like, a common space to house all these things that you're allowed to keep or buy? If I tell you where they are, I know you're going to be driving your truck over well, there tomorrow. You, you might be right, or you might be right. <laughs> His deck is about to collapse. My deck is oh. about to collapse. Um, uh, this combination of uh, samples shipped by manufacturers, uh, stuff that we buy, um, loaners, um, you know, for like the Kamado Komodo, uh, that big old beautiful tile yeah, inlaid yeah. Kamado. That was a loaner when we got that. They loaned it to us, and when we were done, we shipped it on to somebody else to test it. Um, uh, the big green egg we bought. Uh, the um, you know a couple others. Uh, we uh, the uh, Saber gas grill. They sent us a demo. Um, but, you know, we get a lot of demos sent to us now. They, and they're all, the, you, you're given, do you tell them we need it for X amount of time in order for us to do a complete evaluation? Yeah, three months is the minimum Whoa. for us to really give it a, a, a good throw, kick and ass. Wow. That's pretty good, 90 days. Yeah, yeah. Depending on when you structure it, you know, like uh, last month through... You know, February through a May or February well, through June. I mean, that'd be perfect. You get the cold weather, you get the spring, you get the hot weather. It's all different kinds of temperature zones inside of that small window. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're we're getting serious about product testing. I, um, if you Google things like the pit barrel cooker, we're right up there, right after the manufacturer. Uh, it's a cool database. You can search it. You can go for like uh, charcoal grills under five hundred dollars, smokers. Uh, 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 gas grills, whatever you can, just searchable database. It's pretty neat. All right, it's up there. Amazingribs.com is the website uh, under what's new. Is it what's new or things that are new on the uh, web? It's under equipment. Uh, there's a tab. Equipment, equipment reviews right there under equipment. Oh, the top ten. Yeah, it's on the homepage. You'll just home see it right page. there on the homepage. All right, amazingribs.com, the website. All you right, got, so what, you got room for a little bit more news? Yes, go now, and then we'll take the break, and then we'll come back. Have you guys discussed uh, what's coming up this weekend on the Discovery Channel and Discover America? What's coming up? 
Oh, well, uh, this, uh, the Discover America has the uh, new edition of uh, Pitmasters uh, coming up on, on the 12th. Can't wait. Bo Quezon is replacing uh, Melissa. Can you replace somebody that never made one appearance? <laughs> she never did. Melissa was on. Well, well, Melissa was a, a judge was, on Pitmasters. No, well, yes, correct. However, if you go back and look through the annals—not annals, but the annals of the show—last season or the most recent season till this one, there was a rotating judges panel. So Melissa was there. Uh, they had, of course, uh, your pal and mine, Al Bubba Baker, was on the very first episode. Mm-hmm. But there was a rotating cavalcade, a veritable cornucopia of barbecue judges that were sitting next to Tuffy and Myron. And then towards the end of the season, there was some announcement made, and I actually had Melissa Cookson on the show at, uh, after the fact, that she was made the new permanent judge for ah. the upcoming season. Well, in between the last season and this season, something has changed. And... Mm-hmm. Our, replacing her. our friend uh, will not give us the inside scoop as to exactly you know what is going on. But, yes, uh, it seems that Mo Kaysan has uh, nicely stepped in and uh, taken her spot, as it were. And, um, uh, by the way, our friend uh, John Marcus is still listed as an executive producer yes. on the official press release. Of course. Release. I'm not talking about that being our friend, of course. I'm talking oh. about the other our friend. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Um, all right. One more tidbit. This is interesting. Well, wait. Hold on a second. What do you think about the BMC uh, being a judge on Pitmasters? I don't know Mo very well. I've met him. He seems like a fun guy. And I, this is television. Um, television is all about personality, all about fun. Um, how does it look? Um, uh, I think that's um, makes it makes a perfect sense to me. Uh, he's a better choice than you or me. Um, I'm not gonna, I don't know how he cooks. Uh, uh, I haven't ever tasted, judge, tasted his competition food. I've tasted him, you know, just casually and I enjoyed it immensely. And I, I love his company. He's a great guy. But hasn't this show continued to perpetuate a competition style profile? Um, I mean, obviously it's a competition, right? But your yeah, judges, your, your judges are competition cooks. So, yes. you know, you or I would never be on that show. I mean, no. because we don't compete. No. I don't, you know, one of the one of my uh, issues with the show is that, you know, you have sometimes they pit uh, restaurateurs versus the competitor. And it's mm-hmm. been my assertion that whether it's admitted or not, you're cooking, well, now for three competition judges. So the guy in the restaurant probably isn't going to be putting this the same profile that a competition cook or judge would expect. Hence, in my view, potentially at a bigger disadvantage than the other people that are competitors, per se. Come out and say it. He's a patsy. It's a setup. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a big name, but he's gonna he's there to get his butt kicked. Um, before we run out of time, because we were going to talk about him, but I've had this flow of interesting tidbits here. Um, on the 11th, Friday... The Discovery Channel yeah. is rolling out Boss Hog. I got to read you this press release. Well, good, because we both know I don't know how to read. <laughs> Have you heard about this or talked about it yet? No. Okay. Boss Hog, this is hysterical. I mean, premiering on the Discovery Channel Friday, April 11th at 10 p.m., follows Brian Pigman Quaka and his crew as they take on Texas's wild hog problem, building his pig empire 
In recent years, wild hogs have ravaged Texas and estimated $1.5 billion in damage, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he's getting bookings from high-end clients to hunt hogs. Expanding Pig Time's enterprises, Pigman has also partnered with local barbecue joint, Wright's Barbecue. <laughs> At the helm of the barbecue business is Quita, helping Wright's serve up delicious barbecue to Texas for the past 50 years. Whether she's trying to curb Pigman's big business ideas for Wright's or just keep tabs on Pigman's wacky dad, Dap, Quita's partnership with Pig Time has become a lot more than she bargained for. Although Pigman's hands are full building a successful business, it seems like most days are spent managing her harebrained staff. No one tests Pigman's patience more than his dad, Dap, who runs. And, 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 I can't read this whole thing. I'm, and, and I'm this in trolls. I mean, I, I, you know, are you going to put your uh, DVR on uh, on record for this one? Uh, no. This no. is this is Duck. Duck Dewey, what it's was it? Duck, Duck Dynasty. Duck Dynasty uh, gone to the hogs. Uh, so what we have here, <laughs> and it's bare elements. We have a guy that shoots the wild hog population. Yeah, and his he's dad take is care of the one point yeah, five million. His dad is a kook. <laughs> there is a barbecue restaurant somehow involved with this, who is employing the dumbest of the dumb. <laughs> this is what we How have. How do they get a license to serve wild hog? I well, I mean, I guess once you have it butchered and properly stored, what's the difference, right? I don't know. I think uh USDA and state health boards have to be careful. You don't know what could be in them. I mean, there is no trichinosis in farmed hogs at all in this nation. I don't know what's out there in the wild. Meathead. I don't know. Let me tell you what this hog is. Organic. Thank you. <laughs> There we go. (laughs) There we go. It's going to sell organic Organic wild wild hog. hog. All right. All natural. Beautiful. Meathead, you just go ahead and uh, relax there just for one second as we go ahead and uh, take it to break really quick. Uh, Folks, uh, more with Meathead coming up, but I'm going to talk to you quickly about Butcher's Barbecue. Look, if you need something in your barbecue or grilling arsenal that uh, will help infuse flavor and moisture, give you a bigger window of success, Butcher's Barbecue is a place you need to go. ButcherBBQ.com is the website. Uh, we all know that Dave is well-known for his injections, the pork, the beef, the prime injection, of course, Bird Booster. Uh, with that beef injection, uh, or that prime injection, it uses everything that you love from the beef injection and its award-winning flavor enhancer and its ability to keep your brisket juicy combined with the competition standard in beef flavor, again, for sale right now at ButcherBBQ.com. Of course, if you're looking for the go-to rub or sauce, You've really found the place to go. Butcher's has a full line of award-winning rubs. Of course, I still have about three pounds of that honey rub. One of my favorite beef rubs of all time is the steak and brisket rub. Got to try that. Uh, So if you inject the premium rub, especially if you inject with Butcher's, is formulated to work with the injection, a perfect one-two punch to impress judges and friends alike. And last but not least, in regards to sauce, Meathead was party to it the very first time I was tasting it, doing shots right out of the bottle during the show. Sweet barbecue sauce. Look, when it comes to sauce, I'm as picky as it gets. But Butcher Sauce wins in every category for me. Not overly sweet, a nice slice of tang, just the right amount of back-end heat, and for crying out loud, no liquid smoke. Dave takes the time, the effort to make a quality sauce, and not taking the easy way out by putting a bunch of that 
liquid smoking like a lot of the other manufacturers do on the shelf today in your grocery stores, in your butcher stores, wherever you go. No worries about breaking the bank when it comes to shipping either anything at $55 or less ships at $8.50. Between $55 and $200 ship at $9.75. And anything over $200 ships for free. Beautiful. Again, head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. Stock up now on the sauce. Buy six. Just buy six. You'll thank me later. ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. All right, we're back with more Meathead coming up right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampy. All right, we're back. Uh, Meathead joining us here on the show uh, for the next, well, for the next segment, for the last segment as well. AmazingRibs.com is his website. Meathead, always appreciate you hanging through the break, as it were. Uh, my mom texts in, what a great segment. Love that Meathead. <laughs> So uh, Connie, Connie of Connie's Remp, uh, Connie Rempy of Connie's Recipe Corner, finding you incredibly amusing as always, Meet. Oh, that's I'm flattered. Uh, it's fun, Greg. It's I mean, it, I just yakking with a buddy, you know. I mean, this is the best. This is the best hour of my month. Yeah, I and, and, and providing a service to our industry, whether people want to admit it or not. I uh, have a good time, and that's uh, that's makes it all worthwhile. I hope folks learn a thing or two. I mean, I, I consider myself a teacher more than I do a cook or a writer or anything. Shall we talk about uh, ham? A little Easter ham. It seems to be uh, coming up. Uh, the 20th, I think, is Easter? Uh, like could be. Something like that. I think it's uh, coming right around the corner. Well, there's um, – it's really confusing. There's a ton – I started to make a list in preparation for the show of all the different kinds of hams out there. And it's really a long list of different kinds of labels with different kinds of uh, production methods. But you can pretty much divide them into three categories. All right. Fresh ham. All right. First of all, a ham, to be precise, is the hind leg, the rump all the way down to the knee of uh, a hog. Now, there is something called the picnic ham, which is from the shoulder down to the elbow, but it's truly not a ham. It's just called a ham, but the real ham is the rump, and that rear leg, the calf, the uh, not the calf, the, uh, um, uh, the thigh and the uh, hamstrings and all the way down to the knee and the rump, and so that's the ham, and... Um, uh, there are a variety of ways of uh, buying it. First of all, you can get fresh raw ham, just like you would any other piece of pork, pork chops, pork loin ribs. It's raw. And uh, we'll talk about how you might want to cook that in a minute. Uh, so there's fresh ham or raw ham. Um, then there, the, the, the second type I want to talk about is called dry cured ham. Dry cured ham is like um, Italian prosciutto, or Serrano from Italy, uh, uh, from Spain, um, Bayonne ham from France. This is a ham that has been coated or buried in salt. Um, and the salt uh, prevents microbial action. Uh, it pulls moisture out. It kind of dehydrates it. It also p- penetrates. 
Salt is one of the few compounds that can really penetrate meat. I mean, sugar, garlic, ah, those are prosciutto hams. Um, I took that picture in Parma, where they make prosciutto de Parma uh, at a prosciutto factory. Parma, Ohio? What did you say? Parma, Ohio? <laughs> no. Hey, you know, I forgot there is a Parma, Ohio. You're damn right there. Parma, Italy. Which, uh, which is one of the it, – it, it, it's one of the great food places in Italy. Um, you get uh, Parmigiano-Reggiano, Parmigiano and Reggiano, Parma and Reggio are two little towns, and that's where you get the, the queen of cheeses. Um, and also um, uh, from near di- nearby Modena, which is right around the corner, you get um, a balsamico vinegar, and the real balsamico is so far different than the stuff you get in the grocery stores, but that's another topic for another night. So in any case, prosciutto, uh, which is packed with salt and air-dried, hung for around 18 months, I think, uh, um, and uh, usually it's served crudo or raw. It's not cooked in any fashion. It's just cured with salt. The salt penetrates, the salt kills bacteria. Um, now, the reason the um, cut end looks white is they do rub lard and salt on that cut end um, uh, when it hangs. Um, but uh, and, and you can see the skin and the fat layer are still on it. And uh, there's a whole mystique about the temperature of the air and the wind and all that stuff. It's pretty cool, though. Uh, visiting one of these places is amazing, and the whole process is fascinating. I had a real blast there. I spent the whole day there. Um, and then we tasted a whole bunch of fun stuff. It mm. was just outstanding. Um, so um, those are dry-cured hams. And among them is Virginia ham and Smithfield ham. I've seen them dry cured like this in South Carolina. It can be, they do it in Kentucky. And there's this whole burgeoning industry of what we call country hams in this country. Some of them are done very much like prosciutto. There's a place in Iowa. Um, oh God, well, I'm drawing a blank. Somebody in the message board, uh, remind me, what's the name of the place in Iowa? Dubuque. Uh, <laughs> no, the no. name of the company oh. that makes this stuff. <laughs> um, um, but, um, Duroc. Uh, Say again? Is it Duroc? No, no. That Duroc is a is a hog. Oh, right. That's a that's a type of hog. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll think of it. Uh, this is what happens when you get old. Honey I bake. have this theory that gray hair is gray matter that just leaks out. Right. Um, and uh, um, so um, uh, there's a lot of that prosciutto style ham being made in the U.S. Um, some of it is smoked um, in Italy and Spain and France. It's usually not. A few of them are, like speck, which is from northern Italy. And I had my first taste of speck about a month ago, and it was amazing. If you guys can find speck, it is like prosciutto, only it's smoked. And it's wonderful. It's it's kind of like bacony, you know. It's really sweet, and oh, it's amazing stuff. And it's they shave it real thin. You can almost see through it like window pane. Um, look for speck. Sp. It's made from up near the Austrian border of Italy uh, in the Alto Adige, where there's some very good wines. Um, so in any case, dry cured hams are made by rubbing salt on there. And then there's wet cured hams. Um, we call those city hams sometimes, country hams, dry cured, city hams. Um, that's a raw ham. Hold on. I got the other one. Yeah, that's there a raw is. ham. And this is, you know, your, that's your wet cured ham cooked on the grill. And uh, that's, 
That's the stuff that you get in most grocery stores, your, your spiral carved ham. And they're either submerged in a brine, but most of them are injected with a brine. And they've got this device with a bunch of needles that injects a brine into it. And that cures it. Curing is the process of salt uh, being uh, injected either chemically, you know, through uh, um, uh, chemical means working its way in or being injected. And, um, uh, and that preserves it. And so most of what we get in this country, especially those big, bright, bright pink hams, uh, are wet cured hams or city hams. Um, and they usually get that bright pink color by the addition of what's called pink salt. And pink salt has um, uh, preservatives in it uh, um, that are used for hot dogs and corned beef. Um, and uh, it produces nitrites and nitrates. And anybody who is really freaked out by that, I really did some good research on this. Um, and I dug up all the literature I could on it. I have an article on my website about nitrites and nitrates. And all of that, this is just such a classic case of how this media doesn't cover science very well. Um, the, um, there was one research paper in the 1970s that implicated, um, pink salt and nitrites and nitrates in, um, uh, as a, a car carcinogen. It has since been disproven a dozen times, uh, but you just don't hear that. Um, there's as many of those compounds in spinach as there is in a hot dog. Huh. Um, it, it's, it's in our rain. It's, it's, it's all around us. We ingest it all the time. Um, and it is, uh, I mean, it's like anything else. You eat it all the time. You eat hot dogs three meals a day, and it's probably going to get to you. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, it, 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 it is of itself not a real danger. Now, those are the three big categories. You've got raw ham, dry cured ham, and wet cured ham. Yeah, there's your raw. Yeah. Okay, good. Hit the trigger. Dry cured. Uh, oh, shit. Okay, lost, don't worry about I it. I lost the other one. Don't worry about it. Um, now, uh, there are a whole bunch of other types that are subcategories, like Bayonne ham which is from France, and it's a dry-cured ham from France. Um, uh, boiled ham, which is a type of canned ham. Now, canned ham, which comes in a can, you've seen it, that little Spam. rounded triangular, it's about three pounds. That's made from scraps of ham and pork that's been treated and injected with a brine and cured and then canned with about 10% water or broth added to it, uh, and it's shelf-stable. I mean, it's the kind of stuff you want to put in your bomb shelter. Um, I don't know how many years. They say three years. It'll probably last forever. Um, and uh, you, it doesn't have to be kept refrigerated. Um, now, that is yeah. not to be confused with spam. No, spam, I, you know, I really should know exactly what spam is. I'm sure right. some of it. It's, it's, it's a compound. Uh, it's like a, it's like a um, pate. It's um, different uh, chunks of meat ground up and smashed up and stuck in a can. Uh, maybe they should call it pate. Um, now, have ham steaks. Have you ever had uh, spam? When you buy, buy ham steaks, that's wet cured ham. Usually it's got a little round bone in the center. Right. That's the... Um, uh, the the thigh bone, um, and uh, uh, that's just a cross-section of the ham, and it's usually bright pink, and it's been cured, 
And those are great on the grill. You just toss them on. They don't have to cook them very long. Now, those are, are, are often pre-cooked, and you got to read the label. If they're pre-cooked, all you got to do is heat them to 140. USDA says 140 is fine. That seems like a, a low temp, but it's perfectly fine because it's pre-cooked. It's got salt in it. All you're doing is um, uh, heating it. So you don't have to overcook it, and, and it's easy to overcook that stuff. Um, uh, we talked about picnic ham. Um, prosciutto, um, and there's a whole bunch of prosciuttos from Italy. There's prosciutto di Parma. There's prosciutto from Tuscany. Um, Smithfield ham, which is a, a type of um, uh, Virginia ham. Smithfield yeah. uh, uh, is also the name of a big hog producer. You, your reader, your listeners know it oh, was yeah. sold recently to China. Yeah, of course. Um, but it's not necessarily made by the Smithfield company. Smithfield is a town. Um, and uh, the Smithfield Company got its name from the town rather than the other way around. So a Smithfield ham is a country ham, a dry-cured ham, and I'm not sure if it's smoked. I think it is. Now, those hams, you can eat them raw, but usually, and um, this is go- this process goes way back before refrigeration, um, usually to eat them, they are then desalinated, submerged in water. Yeah. Uh, you change the water multiple times for several hours. Then you bring it out and then you boil it, although you can grill it. Um, and uh, But a lot of places now are serving it um, uh, like prosciutto, very thin slices wrapped around melon. Uh, I intend – I'm going – anybody out there know about Zingerman's? You probably know about no? no. Okay, Greg. We've been threatening on getting together. Ann Arbor, Michigan is midway. Um, Ooh, Michigan. <laughs> Zingerman's. I bet your listeners know about Zingerman's. Zingerman's is one of the coolest places in the world. He's got a good barbecue joint. Um, he's got a roadhouse, and he has bacon camp. And I'm going to bacon camp in May. It is three solid days of making and eating and cooking with bacon. And I'm looking forward to that. But he knows all about, um, Ari Fleischer, who runs the place, knows all about these country hams more than anybody. And he's got a huge selection of them there. And uh, I'm going to learn more about them when I go there. Um, your spiral cut hams are a wet cured ham. Like honey baked ham? Um, Pardon me? Like honey-baked ham? Yeah, that's just a wet-baked ham. But they had, came up with this clever system because it's a long, straight bone. Yeah. And they put it on a, um, a spindle, uh, a lathe, essentially, and run a blade, and they turn it, and the blade rolls back, and so it carves the spiral. Makes it really easy to remove it from the uh, – the problem with it is is because it's been cut – um, there's more surface area for moisture to evaporate. Yeah. So you want to be careful when you're cooking it. Uh, it's often best to wrap those in foil just to keep the moisture loss down. Um, but you can grill them. And, and usually those things are really good with a good glaze. In fact, most any ham. Uh, all right, let's start with the raw hams. Let me go back. I jump all over the place. Your listeners know that. We've got about two minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh. Um, Raw ham. I treat it like um, a loin. I take it to 145 at the most. It doesn't need the uh, shoulder treatment. It doesn't have all that sinew and connective tissue. It's a little tougher than loin, but I cook it till it's slightly pink still, 140 to 145, and throw it on the smoker, put a sweet glaze on it or your regular barbecue sauce. I think that's a really good treatment for it. Or go the savory route with a um, um, an herb spice rub on it. Really nice that way. Um, your uh, dry cured hams, 
um, serve them crudo or raw, wrap them around melon or uh, something like that. Eat them as an appetizer. They're great on pizzas. Um, and then the wet cured hams. Um, if it's spiral cut, I'd wrap it in foil and then pull it out and get that glaze on there. I've got two good glaze recipes on the website, and neither of them are my recipes. One is the famous Danny Goulden uh, mustard-based glaze. Yep. Uh, hardcore barbecuers who've been around know all about Danny's glaze. It's great mustard and brown sugar, really easy to make. And the other one is Chris Lilly's apricot brown sugar glaze, and it's also wonderful on, uh, on um, wet-cured hams. The final two questions are this. What is the best ham, in your opinion, to make ham sandwich? Oh, hmm, hmm. Ah, well, you know, okay. Yeah, you know, I can't give you a sample answer, Greg. Um, if I you mean, had to you're, eat you're, one you're, more ham sandwich. Monsieur, which is the classic French sandwich, which is a good crusty French bread with a brie and a piece of ham. For that, a country ham, uh, sliced thin. Uh, but the classic American ham sandwich, uh, a wet-cured ham. Um, and I like to grill it and hit it with, you know, when you, if, if you're in a hurry, just go get some jam or some jelly, uh, um, uh, something pale color, like a, an apricot jam or a jelly, hit it with a quick glaze. And that's really great. Last question before I let you go meathead. And I appreciate your time tonight. If I were to, if we were going to go camping and we came across an outhouse and you went into the outhouse to do your business and I pushed it over. And you snapped your neck and became a quadriplegic. Aside from the poop and the pee that's all over, would you take five million dollars to become a quadriplegic? Oh no, uh, no, no, no. We're not no. even. We can't even begin the discussion at five million. I don't. I don't want to discuss this because somebody who is a quadriplegic. Um, might take offense, and I'm so politically correct, I wouldn't want no. to offend anybody. But quadriplegics I, 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 have no feelings whatsoever. They don't care. Come on, man. I got to get you out of Cleveland. <laughs> All right, uh, you can find Meathead Goldwyn, who is not entertaining $5 million for quadriplegia in exchange, at AmazingRibs.com. Of course, all of the ham recipes, the glaze recipes, and most importantly, the top 10 valued charcoal, gas, and smokers are all right there on the website. Again, AmazingRibs.com. Meathead, as always, I appreciate it. Charcuterie. Next time is charcuterie, right? Okay, we'll talk about it next time. All right, time. <laughs> there he is, ladies and gentlemen. Meathead Golden from AmazingRibs.com, the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website that you can find out there on the Internet. Meathead, uh, very concerned for uh, paraplegics out there. Thank God for Meathead. If it wasn't Meathead, who running roughshod all over the uh, physically impaired. All right, folks, uh, quickly, let me talk to you about Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. You didn't heed my warning last time when it was Valentine's Day. Guess what, folks? Mother's Day coming up sooner than you can even imagine. Get it done early. Get it done often. Get it done with Stephen DeFranco right now. Go to his website, stephendefranco.com. Pick out what you like. Better yet, give him a call, 440-943-2700. Tell him that you are a Barbecue brother sister. Say, hey, I didn't listen to Greg the last time when Valentine's Day was rolling around. I totally missed the mark. Didn't convey what I was hoping to. Overpaid, whatever the case may be. And now I'm calling you. So first ask for Steve after you call. Once he gets on the phone, Steve's going to take you down a magical journey 
of questions and trying to figure out what it is you're exactly looking to get and how much you're looking to spend. Some things you need to know about dealing with Stephen DeFranco. He's the guy that runs the business. Uh, You're not dealing with just a salesperson or somebody trying to line their pockets with fat commission and bags and bags of cash. Uh, Certainly, you know, Steve is in business. Profit is not a dirty word, but he's looking to not only get this sale, but he's looking to get your business for not only the remainder of perhaps your life, but maybe you're going to bring another generation into the world that's going to be looking for jewelry as well. Well, we want to do business with those folks just like you. So once you have found what you like, you give Steve the call, 440-943-2700-2700 at the end. And say, uh, Steve, I'm a barbecue brother or sister. Here's what I'm looking at. He's going to tell you what the real price is because he can't put real prices on the Internet because of some type of contractual thing with the manufacturers. Uh, shipping always free. Engraving on stuff that can be engraved always free. For watches, you get that extra year of warranty for free. It's all good stuff, and you can find it at stephendefranco.com. Once again, that's stephendefranco, D-I-F-R-A-N-C-O.com. Or give him a call, 440-943-2700. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Thanks to Meathead for joining me the last two segments. Again, his website, if you've never heard of him or seen the website, AmazingRibs.com. That's AmazingRibs.com. He didn't answer my question if he has eaten Spam before. It's a uh, ham pate. I believe we said ham pate. All right, I'm not trying to get blocked this time. So bear with me here on the music. So I don't get uh, banned by oh, right, by. Uh, I ran a little far back on that. One. All right, uh, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, we'll head to the second hour. Plenty of guests to get to. Plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, plus your takes, your calls, your emails. If I can remember, we're going to do a giveaway, Sweet Smoke Q Juice giveaway. So uh, stick around for all of that. We will be right back right after this. It's the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> you have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, what? We ate fifty four wieners. But listen, Lavernius, shake face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Ooh. Top men.
All right, just like that, we're into the second hour. Lots of stuff going on in the chat room. If you've never joined the chat room, you're missing out. You head on over to OutdoorCookingChannel.com. You kind of scroll down to the bottom. You see a chat room in there. There's uh, roughly 30-some-odd people in there bannering about. My friends, you have found the Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. And I am your host, Greg Rempe. Thank you for joining me as we uh, move into the second and final hour. We do this show live every Tuesday. So if you're listening to this show now uh, on Wednesday the 9th or the 15th of next year or whatever the case Understand, and I still think there is some type of misunderstanding that this show is, you know, we say that it's live or it's this show or that show, whatever, uh, but it's somehow just a podcast, which in a technical sense isn't not correct, but this show is a live show first and foremost. It's very first run between two on Tuesdays between 9 and 11 is live as it happens. It's not edited for after-the-fact stuff, unless it goes really bad, but I've never had anything go really bad yet where I have to worry about that. However, while we're doing the show, I'm also recording it, and while I record it, then that's where the podcast thing comes into. So I record the audio, I record the video, uh, you know, we're streaming live on Outdoor Cooking Channel right now, we're streaming live on YouTube right now, and uh, this is how we get our archives for the people that can't make it to the live show. But I always say, if you're going to do you know, the live show, please you know, try it out once or twice and get in the mix because you never know what's going to happen on a Tuesday. I mean, you never know what's going to happen when you download the recorded portion of it. But you know, having it happen live is a lot better than doing it recorded. What can I tell you? All right, uh, still to come on the show tonight in about 11 or 12 minutes from now, Sam the Cooking Guy joins me and helping me round out the show around 10.35, Diane Mee, pitmaster of Lake House Barbecue. On the show next week, kind of a um, mix-up of different guests and genres and so forth. For instance, Jeopardy! champion and a guy that caused a lot of controversy, Arthur Chu, will be joining me. Arthur A. Westside of the Cleveland guy, uh, he will not be in studio because I didn't say there was going to be any barbecue in the studio, which is, I think, a valid assessment on my part. There will probably not be any barbecue in my basement. Oh, oh my earpiece is going to fall out here. Oh, no. So we'll do it Skype video with Arthur Chu, and we'll talk to him about his time on Jeopardy and what all the hubbub was about and how he played it and... He, he won 11 times in a row. He amassed 310 or 315 grand. That's a lot of cash in 11 days. I'm no mathematician, but simple math would tell you that... Don't carry the ones. It's $578,000 a win, I think. I'm, it might be a little off. Stephen Reichlin also joining us next week, third Tuesday. First Tuesday, Dr. Barbecue. Second Tuesday, Meathead. Third Tuesday, Stephen Reichlin. How about that? Then. Hasn't been on in a month. Well, I guess this would be the second. Scott Roberts joining us. Official Barbecue Sauce and Rub Reviewer of the Barbecue Central Show. Finally getting Scott back in. And then uh, helping me round out the show. Well, this guy will probably be on around the 935 area. Uh, he is the guy that sent me the 
how to start a home-based food truck business. You will have seen him if you watch the new Pitmasters show this coming, I believe, Saturday. Uh, Eric Thomas, Rolling Grill. So a jam-packed show next week already. Uh, the 2014 Sam's Club Series rolled into Renton, Washington this past weekend. This was a local event qualifier, seeing the top six teams move on to the Las Vegas, Nevada Regional, which will take place on April 26th. The top six teams moving to that event are Grand Champion, finishing number one, Bad Bones Barbecue. Taking reserve grand champion, Piggy D's Barbecue, coming in third, appearing on the show in about 30 minutes from now. Lake House Barbecue, Diane Me. Moving the Chains Barbecue fourth, uh, Scotty Johnson, moving all the way out to Washington to grab a fifth place overall, CancerSuckChicago.com. And rounding out the top six, moving to the Las Vegas, Nevada Regional, Lighten. Lighten Logs and Smokin' Hawks. So those are your top six teams moving on to the regional finals, uh, which will be at the end of the month, by the way. April rapidly coming to a close. 2014 rapidly becoming to a, becoming coming to a close. Next Sam's event this coming weekend, April 12th in Salt Lake City, Utah. Good luck to all those competing, and I will try to have a winner or a top finisher, at least within the top six, depending on who I could get. Uh, next week as well, but it, well, actually, it probably won't be next week. We'll just mention it. I got a jam-packed show already for next week. I talked to you last week, right around this time, about proper grill maintenance when it comes to the pellet cookers. That uh, for a number of months now, I had noticed that my cooker wasn't getting up to temperature, and basically, what had happened was, you know, the weight of the new pellets. Um, you know, not the overabundance of use that I had been having, but there was a buildup of pellets breaking down into, in essence, what it is, sawdust, uncompressing, if you will, because pellets are compressed sawdust, made with heat under pressure, blah, blah, blah. And I was getting uh, at top rate, even if I had the dial set to 450 degrees, I wasn't achieving anything over 275, 280 degrees at best. So I was getting, you know, poorly, uh, bad integrity pellets but mostly just dust getting kicked in through the auger so you know cleaned it out used the shop vac both sides up and down the auger tube you know reloaded with brand new pellets boom everything is running succulently speaking of succulent how about my wings recipe that i am getting ready to share with you and i am not one that usually does the recipe thing but take note first of all uh go to your particular butcher or you know grocery store whatever grab the wings whole wings don't already get the pre-made drumettes or anything like that. Get the drumette and the wing. Is that what you call it? And the little tail thingy and all that stuff. Um, take it whole. Cut off the hard uh, tail part right at the joint. Get rid of that. That serves no purpose. Or put it in water for chicken soup broth or whatever the hell you make with it. Once you have those prepared, uh, I like to take the paper towel, dab them down, get any type of moisture out, then jack them up in the refrigerator for about an hour or two. Let that cool air dry the skin off. And then I used a Big Papa Smokers. Uh, they were both Big Papa Smokers, uh, both the uh, seasoning salt and the sweet money rub. A uh, good layer of both on each side of the wing, and then boom, into the pellet cooker, 
around 375 until they were uh, nice and crispy. Here's the key component here when you're laying them down on the cooker, if you don't know this. Make sure that there's space in between each wing so you get the nice convection of air, you get the nice air flow over there so uh, the, the heat and the smoke can do its thing on each individual wing. In the meantime, I've taken Frank's Red Hot and then a bunch of different secret ingredients that I cannot tell you about to make my own original recipe Anchor Bar Hot Sauce. It includes butter, by the way. And then once the smoked wings come over the, uh, the what does Stephen Reichland say, smoke roasted wings come off the cooker, hit them with a little of this uh, Anchor Bar hot wing sauce, a uh, little blue cheese on the side if you like that to you know cool the lips a little bit, add a little different uh, flavor twang in your mouth. These wings are absolutely spectacular. The kids love them. All the adults love them. Of course, they're coming off the cooker, so your presentation looks absolutely fantastic. You know, the best thing about grilling and barbecue is if you get really good at it. You look like a master, and we all know the joke, right? It's not like you are doing rocket science or splitting the atom. You're just doing steps, you're following steps, you're paying attention, and you're providing a really good end product. And when you can lay those smoked wings out, I mean, they look great, the color's great, all that stuff is good, and then you can add a nice sauce on that and kind of layer it on there. It's visually pleasing to the eye, which is why the competitors always say they like to have that uh, garnish in the box because it's pleasing to the eye. You know, same thing here. Make it look good for your guests, but, man, does it taste good? People just eat them right up. You can't make enough of these smoked wings. If you want, if you email, if you want it, I'll email you the recipe. But you got to keep it between me and you. All right, uh, before we get to Sam, the cooking guy, let me talk to you quickly about Cook Shack. Centralites, you interested in taking a barbecue or smoked foods to the next level? Have you thought about starting a catering business, opening a food truck, or even your own restaurant? If you've answered yes to any of these questions, let Cook Shack help you be successful. Register for Cook Shack Fast Eddie's Restaurant and Catering class to be held in July. This class is held at the Country Club in Ponca City, Oklahoma. Uses their commercial kitchen. You'll see how you can use the Cook Shack Charbroil, the FEC 500, the FEC 120, the SM160. All smokers used during this class will be available for purchase at a special rate for participants at this class. The class has a classroom portion for hands-on. If you want to handle meat, rubs, knives, this is the class for you. Each student will learn how to select proper meat cuts and trim your brisket, pork butt, ribs, chicken. Other topics to be discussed include menu ideas, cook and hold techniques, food safety, brining, profitability, and yields. It also includes setup of a dinner service and a service to the patrons of the country club. Mm. Classes taught by legendary Fast Eddie Marin, Barbecue Pitmaster TV Show Finalist, Dave Bosco of Butcher's Barbecue Competition Cooking Team, and Butcher's Barbecue Company, the injections, the sauces, rugs that we've talked about, and Cook Shack CEO and President Stuart Powell. Each student will receive a binder with class materials and supplies and Cook Shack spices and sauces to take home. Gifts, if you will. It also includes three-night hotel, meals, a tour of the Cook Shack manufacturing facility, and a tour of the Head Country manufacturing facility. Class dates July 21st and 22nd. Class, uh, class size is limited to 25 students, so sign up today. For more information, contact Krista with Cook Shack, 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or email her at c underscore jones at cookshack.com. That's c underscore jones at cookshack.com. For additional information on Cook Shack or Fast Eddie by Cook Shack, visit cookshack.com. Again, that class July 21st and 22nd. 
CookShack.com, the website. Sam, the cooking guy, coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right. 877, no, 216-220-0966. Greg at the com. This portion of the Barbecue Central Show being brought to you by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour, 31 cities, a half a mil in cash to be won, plus eternal bragging rights if you win the whole damn thing. This week, the Sam's Club Tour rolling into a former Winter Olympic host city. 30 teams firing it up in Salt Lake City, Utah, this coming Saturday for a local qualifier. To keep up with the tour or register to compete, visit kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. Sam's Tour on board, everybody. All right, uh, my next guest is a host of his own radio show, a host of his own weekly, uh, three times per week, by the way, uh, live uh, webcast, and uh, you can find him here on the show every once in a while as well. Let's welcome back friend of the show, Sam the Cooking Guy. Sam, how are you, buddy? I'm excellent, my friend. How are you? Doing absolutely fabulous. Thank you for asking, Sam, as always, and appreciate the time that you make for the show. A couple different things that I would love to talk about tonight. Bring it on. And I want to make sure, so when I start to forget, as we get deep in conversation, remind, yes, remind me about Mother's Day, because we don't want to miss that. No, we don't. I mean, it's a little early, but little. there's things to talk about. The last time you were on the show, we talked for a moment about two things, paraplegia and $5 million, and if that was a discussion starter to take the non-use of limbs for cash. And you said wasn't even a discussion starter. So let's revisit quickly, if I may okay. sweeten the deal a little bit, by offering you $4 billion. Are we in the ballpark now? $4 billion. And what am I losing for that exactly? Arms and legs. Quadriplegic. I, I, don't, I don't want it. Still, I don't, no. I don't want the money. Wow. You know, for $4 billion, you could probably buy, like, the, uh, the bionic arms and legs. Yeah. And be $4 billion to the rich. You know, uh, we had a guy on the live cast a couple weeks ago. His name was Eduardo Garcia. Yeah. And he's a, a chef who met with a unfortunate circumstance out in the woods of Montana. Ooh. He came across, uh, hunting by himself, he came across <laughs> what looked like a, a little pile of fur. Yeah. And he was smart enough to know not to just touch it with his bare hands for fear that it was alive or would bite or whatever. So he took his hunting knife and he poked it. Little did he know that it was a baby bear that had already died from electrocution and was sitting in water with the wires underneath it. (gasps) And the knife, exactly what you're thinking. No way. Brought that electricity into his body, came out nine different places. He lost his left arm at the elbow. Oh, wow. There's a picture in the live cast of uh, he and I standing together in my kitchen, and he's holding uh, Louie. I've never seen an attitude with anybody like this before. Gracious guy, humble guy, looked at it like, well, this is just part of it, and I need to go on from here. 
having met him and listening to his story, which is really interesting, losing an arm or a couple arms and seeing how he does with it, maybe, but everything, Greg, it's a very substantial game changer. There he is. Yeah, I mean, this, it's, uh, and there's that chicken sandwich. I mean, this, um, the, uh, I'm still finding it incredibly hard to believe that uh, he would find this bear, take out his knife, the bear, how does the bear get electrocuted? I didn't even know there was electricity in Montana. I mean, I guess it was a wire that came from someplace. Who knows? Wow! And, you know, he get he 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 reaches out to touch the bear, right. and the next thing he remembers oh. is hearing shuffling feet. Doesn't even realize at first that they're his. Shuffling feet as he comes out of this daze. He's walking on gravel. Wow! And he finds his way back to some level of civilization where they help him and. They, heller, they helicopter him to, you know, like a major medical center. And a couple of days later, he loses his arm. And, uh, but wow, what he can do with, with really what amounts to be just really like a hook. Yeah, right, right. right. Like, like that is, is really, really, uh, it's amazing. All right, well, it's amazing. You, you can check that out at thesamlivecast.com uh, yeah. if you want to uh, check out that episode. Of course, I watch every episode, so I actually saw it. And, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. that's crazy. But uh, so – Recently, I think recently-ish, uh, you made yes. a trip out to the Hawaii's. We did. We went to the island of Kauai, the Garden Island. Is, is this a um, like Sam and the family trip that you just recorded, or is it like like a, a sponsored type deal? And you got some R and R out of it as well. How does that all go down? Uh, so we were approached by um, a resort in Kauai called Koloa Landing. It's a, a Wyndham property. And they said, uh, we're fans of the live cast. If you'd ever like to do something together, let's see if we can come up with something. So I heard Kauai, let's figure out something. <laughs> and I, I set to set about figuring this out. So you may remember last year we had a cooking competition. Yeah. And the, the winner got knives and, and cookbooks and junk like that. So we said, let's do it again. But this time the winner gets to go to Kauai. Wow. And that's exactly uh, what's going to happen. She actually hasn't gone yet. She'll go in October. She couldn't go till then. But we went four days, stayed at Kaloa Landing, stayed in a 3,600-square-foot condo. What? 3,600 square feet. Wow. Bigger than my house, bigger than most houses. Yeah. Four bedrooms, two essentially master bedrooms, full laundry room, <laughs> way nicer than any laundry room I've ever had. A huge, beautiful gourmet kitchen. And I know the term gourmet kitchen gets thrown around a lot. But it was spectacular. Well, where Three do you... balconies, living room, uh, sitting room, Oof. dining room. I mean, ridiculous. Where do you rate the kitchen? Look, uh, I'm not kissing your ass, but obviously if you've yeah. been around your house, you have one of the most spectacular kitchens on the face of the earth. So how does this rate when you look at your kitchen? Uh, it was probably like a 7 out of 10. Yeah. And I, I would give mine a 10. I'm a little biased. Sure. I like it. But comparing it to other hotel kitchens or condo kitchens, <laughs> it's probably a 12. Yeah, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it, so, re- it really is. What- and you know, what? what's interesting about Kauai, Kauai is not a, um, you know, you come in from a day at the beach and you get gussied up and out you go dancing or partying. That's not what Kauai is. Kauai is sleepy and quiet. And so to have a really 
beautiful place to come back to uh, where we would cook every night. We'd go to a local market, we would buy groceries, we'd come back, and we'd cook something every night, and we'd supplement it with pokey, which is just like raw tuna, raw salmon, that kind of stuff, mixed with a little soy, some wasabi, whatever. I mean, it's really, really great fresh stuff. It was just a dream to do this. Just a dream. So as you're down there, how, how, how long were you out there for? Uh, we were Thursday to Thursday to Monday. All right. So uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four nights. Four nights. So, so, so time to take in local culture and some things that are happening out there. Obviously, Hawaii collection of different islands. So for this particular one, how did you find the culture there versus what you're used to in the, you know, the San Diego area? Well, it's, I mean, it's sleepy. This was, uh, this, and th- this was the southern part of Kauai, a- an area called um, Poipu Beach. Um, it was, uh, there was not a lot to do. There were restaurants that you could go to at night, and pretty much that was it. Uh, the, it was locals, you know. And the funny thing is, is you go to Oahu, where Waikiki is, and that's sort of kitschy old school Hawaii to me. I mean, there's a jillion people and there's a ton of tourists and many of them from, you know, Japan and, and wherever in Asia. And it's crowded, but I still like it. I like the feel of it. Maui tends to be sort of a, um, it feels like a, like a fancy, you know, like you'll go to a store and there'll be like a Quicksilver store. You know what Quicks, Quicksilver is? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So there'll be like a Quicksilver store. And there'll be moms in, like, tennis outfits and stuff like that. And look, <laughs> I don't mind looking at a mom in a tennis outfit. But that's not what Kauai is. Kauai is like locals slapping around in flip-flops, you know, doing a little fishing off the beach and, and that kind of thing. And I just, I love the feel of it. I love the tempo of it. I loved everything about it. And I'll have to say, my first day, first couple hours there, I was like, oh, this place is, I don't know if I'm going to dig this. And by the end of that day, I was like, wow, I so love everything that's going on here. You're a food guy. I'm a food guy. When you look at prevalent foods and tastes and flavor profiles of this Pacific island on its own, what did you find was popular? What did you find recurring? What did you find that maybe you didn't didn't like? Um, Let's see. Well, there's a huge Japanese influence there. Huge. In Almost all of the food, and I suppose on some level it started off as what would be like a Pacific Islander kind of influence. Uh, yes, lots of fish, you know, lots of shrimp, lots of raw stuff like that. But the Japanese have sort of helped mold the, um, the flavors of what goes on there in a really interesting sort of way. Um, Soy sauce is a, is a significant component of an awful lot of things that go on there. Sriracha is kind of a, a, a key thing of what's going on. And, of course, there, you know, there's the seaweed is an ocean product, the dry version, nori, Japanese, but the two of them come together in all kinds of dishes and stuff in a, in a really, you know, lovely sort of way. And I understand that we weren't there looking to go to fancy restaurants. It's not really how I like to eat. And I don't know that I'm really learning anything about a culture by doing that. I want to go where the locals go. I want to go to like a little shack and have the food that, that they're eating there. And so we went to a, we went to a place called Hamura's Saimin. And Saimin is really like ramen. Sort of think ramen noodles, 
noodles, but but elevated in a way better but not sort of overly fancy kind of way. There'll be some, you know, some porks or some brisket uh, in that, some vegetables, uh, something called fish cake, which is a an interesting little like pressed, uh, what would it even be like like a little log of sort of white fish that's sort of compressed that little slices are, are, are in this broth and like lots of, uh, uh, green onions on top of it and wontons in it. So it's a little Japanese. It was a little Chinese. It was a little Hawaiian, but in like maybe one of the best bowls of noodles that I've ever had. Hmm. That's how we like to eat. We don't like the expensive stuff. Somebody said, suggested a, uh, a local chain restaurant that was, um, (laughs) They said, you know, it's very nice and lovely. And we went one afternoon just to look. And we stood there for about 30 seconds and we went, there's no way we want to come do anything here. I'm sure the food is nice and the people are going to be great. But to stand and have some chef and chef whites, you know, make some over-the-top thing with a special drizzle and foie gras and foam and shit like that is not the way that we wanted to eat. And it's not what we wanted to find when we were there. You can get that in San Diego, like on every street uh, absolutely. corner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, all in all, great trip, and you can't all wait all to get back. Or... I can't. I can't suggest Kauai as a destination uh, enough. I really can't. If you've not, have you been over? Have you been there? Uh, let's see. That? The farthest west I have been to date, St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you. Okay. Well, you got you got to get a little. And did it really deserve the applause thing, St. Louis? Well, it was the farthest west I've ever oh, been. Yeah, I guess. All right, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I understand. You know. For your part of the country, it's now becoming an awful long way to go. I mean, it's what five and a half, six hours for us to get there. Yeah. So for you guys, I probably mean, it's ten, now, twelve it's, hours. It, yeah. Like I might as well go to London, you know? Yeah. Right. But right. not nearly as nice, of course. But not nearly as nice. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the locals probably have much better teeth than the uh, people in England. Just kidding. No offense <laughs> to the English people. All right. No, I don't think you are kidding. I think that's probably true. Yes, you're right. But the locals, and that's the other thing, too. I mean, you know, you, that's where you really get a sense of what people or a culture is like when you're at the local level, yep. right? When you're, when you're shopping in the stores where they like to, to hang out in and, and eating at the little shacks and stands that they go to. That's how you get a sense of what a place is do, like. Do people give you the the howly stare down or is that much overrated or much ado about nothing? We didn't feel it. I mean, I'm sure there's, I'm sure we, and you know, this part, I mean, as local as I'm making it out to be, there were plenty of, you know, uh, uh, mainlanders there (laughs) hanging around, you know, white people for lack of a, for lack of a better term, not, uh, islanders. And, uh, no, nobody gave us uh, grief anywhere. And I certainly never felt, Never felt anything like that. And I think they also appreciate that we're, uh, you know, tourists are a significant part of what goes on over there. And if you, you know, you take the tourists out of Kauai, you're going to take a lot of the a lot of the money out of the place, too. All right. Uh, rapidly coming to a close here on this segment. So I don't want to forget, unfortunately, Mother's Day. about Mother's Day. And I warned everybody before about Valentine's Day to go to my jeweler guy, Stephen DeFranco. I just talked yeah. about him again and said, hey, don't forget Mother's Day is coming up. Don't screw it up like you did for uh, Valentine's Day. What does Mother's Day mean to you, and, and what do you like to do for Mother's Day? Uh, well, I, I can't always do it. I'm not always in town, uh, in the same town where my mom is. She lives in Canada. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to be together. But I just saw her this past weekend. 
She'll turn 90 in August. Wow. She is of fantastic health. She's got one bad ankle. Apart from that, she's wonderful. But my standard speech to people when it comes to Mother's Day is this. Anybody can take money out of their pocket and go buy a meal and take somebody out for a meal. Correct. But when you cook for somebody, that's now coming from your heart. And not to get all the, you know, you know, teary-eyed and emotional, I really mean that. And people, people will say to me, you know, do you think, do you think uh, people are scared to cook for you because you cook on TV and professionally and blah, blah, blah. Say, I'm honored just to have somebody make me a grilled cheese. I would love to have my mom here and to be able to cook for her. I think, and even if you don't cook, you can figure out something. A, it's going to be less expensive. B, it's going to be a lot nicer. C, it's going to mean a thousand times more. And don't forget, Mother's Day is just a crapshoot when you're out there with a billion other people oh, that right. have not taken the time to, to cook. Do you have a go-to recipe or something that you would suggest if somebody said, "Ah, eh, you know, I'm I'm okay in the kitchen or, or outside or you know, however they're going to cook it"? Do you, do you suggest one or two things? Uh, uh, I think that uh, I think brunch is a is an ideal thing to do for Mother's Day. I think it's easy to gather around. The pressure is off with a brunch, uh, unlike it is unlike it's there with a dinner. I don't know why, but the nighttime. Cooking seems to bring more stress with it. Yeah. Brunch is a lot more, you know, relaxing. It's it's much more forgiving. You can blend things that might not normally go together. And I would say there's a there's a frittata recipe on my website. Bacon, spinach, mushrooms, that kind of stuff. And a frittata is really just like um like a quiche, but a little bit more substantial and there's no crust on it. And you can make it very easily in a pan, finish it in the oven. You can do it all on the stovetop if you want. Cut it into wedges, serve it with some sour cream, a little salsa or something. It's, it's really wonderful. In fact, it's almost like a casserole that you could actually make it the day before and just reheat it and take all the pressure off yourself. I think that's a great that's a great thing to do. Everybody can make a little French toast. There's a banana bread French toast recipe on the website that's super easy to make. Make it with a box, a package, a box package mix of banana bread. You just make it, cool it, slice it, dip it in the little egg, you know, milk thing, little Grand Marnier in the pan, serve that with it. It's wonderful. Uh, now, when you come up, I'm always I love asking the people that make the recipes. Like I'm not recipe yeah. guy. I mean, I'll cook I'll cook a recipe that I see you make if it's visually attractive to me. I'm like, well, I'll get that recipe and go out and buy it. But you're the guy that is walking through the store or seeing what's left in the house or right. seeing what's in your pantry and coming up with something. Yeah. How does the mind work for you mm. to come up with recipes? I guess it depends. I mean, if I'm shooting, you know, if I'm shooting a show or live cast or something and I got to think up something, first I try and think about what I haven't done in a long time. But somebody might say, you know, have you done eggs? And I go, no, shit, I haven't done eggs for a while. Maybe I should, I should do some eggs. My mind always goes to kind of what people can really learn from first and what might be super easy to grasp. I did hard-boiled eggs on the show once. And, and my wife, Kelly, said to me, like, honestly – do you need to show people how to make hard-boiled eggs? <laughs> yes. And I said, well, you know what, baby? I remember when I figured out how to do them without ruining them. And ruining them to me is undercooking. 
and so they're weird inside, or overcooking, so the yolk is like a rock, but then there's that that dark gray yeah. ring around the yolk. Yes. That's not supposed to be there, and that's just a, a factor of overcooking them too much. Uh-oh. Yeah, I saw the eyes go. So read the recipe on the website. But that single hard-boiled egg recipe, I don't know how many thousands of comments I've gotten from that. People coming up saying, thank you for showing me how to do that. So I don't know if this is answering your question or not. Um, I was given I was given a really beautiful one pound tin of uh, this amazing rock uh, crab meat from Baja California. Guy gave it to me uh, yesterday, mm. and I was shooting live cast, and I go, I got to do something with that. So my mind starts going to what things I could do with crab, and I've done many things in the live cast with crab. So I'm trying to think about something that is going to be easy, that's going to be delicious. I like to do easy because people can get their head around that. I like to do delicious and stuff that looks. So I ended up doing crab enchiladas that have like like seven ingredients, I think, in the whole thing. And they were fantastic. Canned A little canned green enchilada sauce, the crab and a little onion and red pepper and some cheese inside of it. And it's simple, really, really mm-hmm. simple. I guess it just it, sort of part of it is what I'm feeling, what I haven't made for a while. Can I do something different? I got some oysters, some something called chocolate oysters that you'll see in the live cast uh, uh, tomorrow. They're just big oysters like this that I was given a whole bunch of. I thought, well, what can what the hell can I do with those? And you open them up, and you know I love eating oysters, but I like the little guys. Like the big ones like that, that's a giant oyster and slurping that mother down. (laughs) I didn't want to do that. So I thought, what can I do where I can chop up the oysters a little bit so people can sort of get their head around eating it? I know I'm not selling very many oyster recipes off of the live cast. If I'm just taking a like a fist size oyster and trying to get people to suck that thing down raw. So I did kind of a version of uh, oysters Rockefeller, not oysters Rockefeller. Uh, The hell are they called? Uh, clams, sorry. I don't mean oysters. I meant clams. Giant, they were big clams. I don't know what I was thinking. So I did like Clams Casino, which has bacon in it and a little Parmesan cheese. Anyway, chopped it all up, cooked it a little bit, put it back in, little Parmesan on top and then under the broiler. Mm. But super delicious. But I guess my point was, you know, I went first to what would be easy. And then with a product like a huge clam, I wanted something that people could actually get excited about. And I didn't think they'd get excited about eating the whole clam raw down their throat by right. itself. Right. Just that easy. There it's it is. Well. Uh, you can find, by the way, the live cast at uh, the samlivecast.com. Thecookingguy.com is uh, your other website. And yes, if you uh, want to check out the radio show podcast, you can go to 760-KFMB. That's uh, Kilo Foxtrot Mike Bravo for those that are of the uh, aviation realm, uh, kfmb.com. Sam, always appreciate the time, and uh, we Thanks will talk again friend. soon, brother. Okay, see you. All right, there he is, Sam the Cooking Guy. SamLiveCast.com, 760KFMB. KFMB. Uh, you can get all of his uh, podcasts there. Uh, if you don't live in the San Diego area, they don't. They don't play it locally on the internet. There's something going on with that. Uh, maybe you can get it on uh, iHeartRadio, I something like that. Uh, so a lot of great suggestions from Sam there. Uh, we're going to be coming back with Diane Me here in just a second. Uh, let me talk to you quickly about the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic temperature control technology. If you're a busy working professional or perhaps you're constantly on the run with kids doing errands, 
you don't have the time to set around, tend those pit temperatures. I get it. Barbecue Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or a brisket or a couple slabs of ribs, and you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done, and the Barbecue Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. A number of different models to choose from. Meathead just uh, talked about one here in the first hour, that Party Q. Getting a facelift currently at $129 fits most cookers. 10 bucks more for the ceramic style because of that bottom damper adjustment. But it runs on AA batteries. It's completely self-contained. It goes from one cooker to the next. That's why we affectionately refer to it as the hooker of automatic barbecue technology control of temperature. And if you're looking for a new cooker, Onyx Oven is certainly the place that you want to check out. It holds a ton of meat. Winning in competitions in backyards all across the country. Holds the half and full pans for food service. Working seamlessly, obviously, with any of the Barbecue Guru pit temperature control devices. So do yourself a favor. Head on over to thebbqguru.com. Check out their products. And if you have any questions about what to order, call them directly, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Again, that's 800-288-GURU or thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru is a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We're back with Lake House Barbecue right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, we are back, 216-220-0966, Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Ways to get in contact with me, should you see fit. Uh, the Sam's Club Series in full swing right now. My next guest took part in the renting Renton, Washington local event this past weekend. Walked away with a very respectable third-place overall finish. Here to recap it for us tonight, the pitmaster of Lake House Barbecue. And perhaps more importantly than that, one of the most loyal centralites to date. Let's welcome first-timer to the show. Diane Mee of Lake House Barbecue. Diane, how are you? Excellent. And how are you, Greg? Doing absolutely fabulous, Diane. Appreciate you making time for the show tonight. Uh, I guess before we talk about the competition in Renton this past weekend, a uh, little bit of background on you and how you got into the competition scene. Uh, well, I bought a gas grill with one of my bonuses from work, and my husband decided that he really needed to have a smoker. And so it showed up on the doorstep, and he said, well, you can go ahead and assemble it. <laughs> and so I did, and then I probably got more excited about it than he did. <laughs> and I proceeded to cook through all the meats, and uh, then I he started watching this Pitmaster show on TV, and I kept kind of like watching it. I was like, wow, they're using the same equipment that I have sitting on the deck now. And so I kind of got uh, interested in in competing, and I went out to the – PNWBA website, which is our barbecue association up here in the Pacific Northwest, and I managed to make the last contest of the 20, 2011 season over in Moses Lake, Washington, so I drove a truck and my van full of gear over there and, and competed for the first time. And it was hook, line, and sinker after that, right? Yeah, I got a sixth place in uh, ribs, which managed to pique my interest all throughout the winter while I listened to a lot of old Barbecue Central show roundtable episodes while I was working <laughs> and uh, just did a lot of online studying. Um, and uh, then I kicked off the 2012 season up in Chilliwack, British Columbia, where I sat in my brand new cargo trailer and figured out how to carve up a whole pack of brisket. <laughs> <laughs> 
Diane Mead joining us here on the show from Lake House Barbecue. You know, Diane, I don't know if it's a a beaten horse at this point or not, but when you talk about female pit masters, do you think battle of the sexes thing is pretty much like run its course now? There's a number of very successful female pit masters out there on the competition circuit, in the restaurant world, what have you. Uh, or do you still feel a little extra pressure when you hit an event because you are a female and I guess what would be a male-dominated sport at this point? I don't think it's extra pressure. Um I did cook a contest uh, in Spokane last year at, call, at uh, an event called The Man Show, so I found it kind of humorous that <laughs> a woman cooking by herself beat all the guys at The Man Show <laughs> barbecue competition. So, um, and, you know, I just find humor in those kind of things sometimes. Um, a lot of times the guys will show up with their big, you know, i got to have a giant pit, pit trailer and all this kind of gear and all this stuff, and I just... I'm like the non-sexy uh, girl cooking over in the corner, and a lot of times I'll wind up beating them, and so I do find that in music sometimes. Diane, do you think they are compensating for something else? <laughs> what are we talking about here? All right, uh, Diane Me joining me here on the show, Lake House Barbecue. Uh, how many are on the team? Is it just you, or do you have any uh, teammates with you? I do. I have a cooking partner named Greg Boffman, who um, I started cooking with uh, in April of last year. And uh, he's cooked um, probably about two thirds of the competitions that I do in the la- that I did uh, that I've done in the last year. So yeah, he's been a great, uh, great help. He's uh, one person that just really helps elevate my game uh, because he's so smart and he's so, um, you know, he was so willing to learn that it just made you know we're we're a great combination. Are you the overall uh, like pitmaster decision maker on what's happening for turn-ins and how boxes are being built, and uh, he's more of the assistant, or do you share equal duties? How does that whole team dynamic work? Um, actually, you know, we're we're um, I'm usually the slicer, but as a matter of fact, last week and he wound up doing a lot of the slicing because I just I couldn't get the feel for the ribs, and so I said, here you gotta you gotta slice these up. So he just jumped right in and did it. Same with. Um, you know, the brisket and stuff like that. So he sort of has his responsibilities during the cook, and I sort of have mine. But we both step in and do whatever needs to be done at whatever time. So, I mean, we really do cook as a team and not as a, you know, he's not like a subordinate or anything like that. I really consider him an equal teammate in decision-making and everything. I love <clears throat> I love to ask teams about their names. Uh, you have a unique name, Lake House Barbecue. Uh, how does that uh, land as your designated team name? Uh, because I live on a lake in uh, just south of Everett, Washington, and so it we always call our house the Lake House, so hence the Lake House Barbecue. There you go, easy enough. All right, so let's go ahead and look back at the event itself, Diane. In terms of looking at it as a whole, a couple days removed, anything out of the ordinary that you had to contend with over the weekend that maybe you didn't prepare for? Uh, well, the weather, of course, is always a factor up here at this contest for some reason. It wasn't bad, as bad as it was in 2013, but it certainly rained a lot during the contest, and it was pretty wet. And But everybody actually was really prepared this year, and fortunately there was no wind, and like last year it was pretty much a hurricane. <laughs> so um, the only other thing was I got up at 3 to fire up the to the fire up the WSM and I took the cover off and the thermometer was already saying 150 degrees and I said well that's a problem <laughs> so I had to have Greg bring uh, his dome lid down with him when he came back down to the contest so but that was about the only 
major hiccup we had. Do you actively watch weather reports days in advance to make sure that uh, you are going to be prepared in case the, the weather takes a turn for the worse? Oh, definitely. I mean, we're, we're always hawking on the weather, and, and we're looking at the radar maps even. Um, when I was in Kansas City, I remember I rolled into the Royal uh, last fall, and I remember seeing a you know, huge thunder cell coming over, and so I a lot of teams had started putting up their tents and everything, and I just said, I'll just wait till weather <laughs> passes here. <laughs> that way you're not chasing your tent all the way down the aisle, right? That's correct. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, when we look at the individual categories, man, really stellar performance all the way through. Sixth place chicken, sixth place ribs, and then uh, so identicals there, identicals for pork brisket, third overall for each of those. Um, did you think you had sixth place or better turn-ins? Um, well, I thought the chicken was probably going to be our best meat of the day, and uh, um, although the, we have a lot of good chicken cooks, and so and Cancer Suck Chicago was there, and I know they do good chicken, and so I thought I thought we would get at least a walk in in chicken um, ribs. I wasn't really super excited about. We had a really hard problem slicing ribs for some reason. The bones were really kind of strange this week. Um, we usually don't get that, so. I um, wasn't sure about ribs, and uh, our pork, I did really well. I got first place in pork at Pinchola Week last the weekend before, so I knew I was I was uh, hitting pretty good on pork, So, um, although we had a really hard time slicing our money muscle again. so But then we, we've uh, really started to work uh, very hard on our brisket this year, and we've uh, changed up our, our recipe and our trim procedures and everything and attempt to get to get a first place in brisket, which I've yet to get. So, um, so yeah, I was really happy with the way the brisket came out. Uh, Greg did some awesome burn-ins, and so, yeah, I, I, I knew the brisket was was up there, too, so... Diane Mee joining me here on the show, pitmaster of Lake House Barbecue, talking about uh, this past weekend, the third-place finish overall at the Renton Washington Sam's Club Local. You know, you had a very consistent cook, Diane, as we just mentioned, with the individual uh, category results. In fact, had you been competing just a week earlier in the Sacramento-California contest, you would have won the whole damn thing and been grand champion. Does it kind of go to show what kind of talent is out there on the circuit right now and how difficult it is even just through the, the local events to move on? Uh, yeah, it is a tough contest because, uh, especially at our local, it draws a lot of, it, it'll draw out all the teams that are, you know, it's the first big contest of the year for us up here. And so a lot of teams will show up. And so you really have a lot of tough competition. I, I assume I know one of our teams from up here went, actually went down to the Sacramento contest to try to get in. And so, uh, he didn't make it. So he tried to get in Ren and came really darn close. <laughs> I assume that uh, you're going to be uh, taking part in the regional event on the 26th in Las Vegas? We are. Is there a team that you know of that has decided not to go on if they get in the top six? Uh, not that I've heard so far. Let me ask you this question, because you know, rarely, I guess, do I get uh, teams that are Pacific Northwest rooted. Um, <laughs> I'll get some of the California guys. We'll get down to the Southwest area, but you know, when it comes to the Pacific Northwest as a whole, and, and as you've experienced, do you think that there is a regional flavor profile that is specific to that location in the country, or do you think that all regions have kind of become amalgamated together at this point? I would have probably said two years ago that yeah, there's a, even a regional difference between 
Oregon and Washington and Canada because we frequently cook up in Canada. Yeah. In, in the southern British Columbia. And so, yeah, I'd even say back then I would say that there was a difference. But as I've moved, as I've gotten more experience, I probably tend to think that I'll just cook with what got me there or what, you know, my standard flavor profile is. Um, the only thing we did in Renton is because there was going to be a lot of um, inexperienced judges judging. We probably, on our brisket, didn't. Um, use as complex of flavors as we normally might have. We kind of dumbed it down a bit. Um, so we kept it simple, I guess, is better better description. We just kept it, we tried to keep it simple this last weekend just because we knew we'd have a lot of um, inexperienced judges judging. Obviously, it did very well for you as you get to move on to that regional. How many contests are you planning to do this year in total? Uh, we'll probably do about 20 contests. Wow. Is that up from last year, or is that typically the, the high water mark that you look for every year? Uh, well, last year we cooked 23, but we also made a big road trip at the end of the I mean, we went to the we took the Royal and the Jack and the USA Barbecue Championships last year, and so I'm not sure that I would be doing that at the end of this year. So, When you first got into it, were you doing any of these uh, cooking classes, uh, or were you doing a lot of trial and error stuff? You know, what marks well? Continue to do that. What doesn't mark well? Let's go ahead and readjust and, and see if we can't pick up points at the next contest. Um, well, I did take. Uh, I mean, I took uh, Wine Country Q, who's the top pit master up here in the Pacific Northwest. I took his uh, hot and fast class, which really focuses on uh, pork and brisket. So um, I really had to. Um, and at the, end, at the beginning of the 2013 season, I did take uh, a couple classes to help me with, uh, especially chicken. And um, you know, I really learned though that um, there's just no wrong way to cook barbecue, and so you have to kind of tailor your style to your equipment and your rubs and flavor profiles that you want to use. So that's that's really what I learned out of all of that <laughs> is that there's just no wrong way to cook barbecue, and I think. People take a, a pork butt and trim it up, you know, severely, and then I've seen people pretty much do nothing to it. And and both both camps are, you know, multi grand champion pitmasters. So there's just how you how you believe the best style is going to work for you. Do you think it still boils down to knowing how to cook it right first will supersede flavors and injections and, and all this other stuff that you can also add to supplement the product? Uh, yes. I mean, uh, if you don't, if your texture is out of whack and all the flavors that you put on are, are not going to taste well and, you know, uh, yeah, you really have to know how to cook the meat to proper texture to, to do well. Uh, aside from the Las Vegas competition, uh, where are you going to be at, uh, next? Uh, after that we will be, uh, cooking probably up in Cloverdale, British Columbia, then we have the barbecue blues and brews down in uh, Coos Bay, Oregon. Um, probably make a little trip to Montana in the, in the summer. And uh, we have the big our big contest of the year up here is in Sela, uh, Washington, at the Treetop Skewered Apple contest in September. Wow! So uh, definitely miles to be seen on your uh, particular vehicle. We're talking with. Diane Mee finished third overall this past weekend at the Renton Washington Sam's Club local event, pitmaster of Lake House Barbecue, and she'll be moving on to the regional final in Las Vegas, Nevada, April 26th. 
Diane, really appreciate you coming on tonight, and uh, most personally appreciate you uh, really patronizing the show and being a loyal listener. I certainly appreciate that, and good luck in Vegas. We'll uh, hopefully talk to you after you win that one. Well, thank you very much, Greg. You got it. There she is. Diane Me, loyal listener to the show, and uh, obviously doing very well at the Pitmaster thing. As she will be moving on to the regional final round in Las Vegas, Nevada in just a few weeks' time. So look for her there. Be wary. Coming out of the Pacific Northwest to Sin City, baby. Yeah. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about Tasty Licks Barbecue. Known for their amazing wide selection of cookers, sauces, rubs, and all things for the backyard cook and for the serious competition team. They sell Big Green Eggs, Kamado Joe, Primo Ceramics. Mac and Green Mountain Pellet Grills, all of the Weber Grills and Smokers, as well as Meadow Creek Smokers and Cookers. They're the only largest, or they are the largest barbecue guru dealer in the country. Very first offer professional and amateur cooking classes, featuring well-known chefs like Harry Sue, Todd Johns. Uh, PA Midnight uh, Cooker is going to be doing a class there very shortly if it hasn't already taken place. Call Fred Bernardo right now. Call him a smoking guitar player. Call him whatever you want, as long as you buy something. I'm just kidding. Anyway, I mean, call him or any of his friends at 800-677-2882. And by friends, I mean friendly staff. Very knowledgeable eggheads, experts, if you will. Or just go over to your internets and look them up at tastylicksbbq.com. And don't forget that the smoking guitar player has well over 150 cooking videos on the website. And in just a couple, uh, and in a couple of them, he doesn't even try to sell you anything. Just keeping it straight knowledge for you. Of course, when you see what he's cooking on, or what he's cooking with, or the accoutrement that he uses, well, you might convince yourself to buy something all on your very own. And you can do that by visiting his brick and mortar location in beautiful downtown Shillington, Pennsylvania. Should you see fit, or you can visit TastyLakesBBQ.com. That's Tasty Lakes BBQ. Com or call him toll-free at 800-677-2882. Again, that's 800-677-2882. Fred Bernardo and the gang over at Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply in beautiful, and perhaps more today than any day, uh, tropical Shillington, Pennsylvania. We will be back to wrap up the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Big B, Let's go! I'm an outlaw. Give me two shots. We don't need a radio. All right, welcome back. 87216-220. You say that one for six years, you know, it's in, it's in your brain. Uh, 216-220-0966. Uh, email address greg at com. Email from John Dawson coming in. Spec plus ham equals spam. Boom. Boom. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Somebody's left me a voicemail, it looks like. Let's play it live on the air. Gregory, 
this is your mother. I just hang up, and I hear you on the radio. I know you're there. Why don't you pick up the phone and talk to your mother? This is really annoying me. Please call me. Goodbye. <laughs> I got another one. Greg, what are you doing? You and your fancy barbecue, you can't call your mother? You can't pick up the phone? Is that where we've gone? I don't have time for this. Goodbye. I am literally fascinated that somebody is trying to do an impression of me doing an impression of my mom who doesn't sound like that. that Keep them coming, sir. Keep, I mean, keep them coming, mom. Sound just like her. Just like her. It's crazy. All right, that's my mom weighing in, or uh, that's imposter mom weighing in. Love imposter mom whenever she calls. Thank you. Thank you, imposter mom. All right, let's roll it back. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. We talked a lot about uh, some gadgets that he's going to be dealing with. He's got a new thermometer coming in that's going to be competing with the Thermopen from ThermoWorks. iCelsius he talked about. The new party queue he's going to be uh, testing out as well. He's got the top 10 charcoal grills, uh, gas grills, and smokers. On the main page of the website right now, AmazingRibs.com. Plus, we talked about hams and all that good stuff. In the second hour, we talked with Sam Zion, a.k.a. Sam the Cooking Guy. We talked about Hawaii, what his trip was like, what foods they're eating out there, what he likes, what he's suggesting for Mother's Day. Don't go out. Cook for your mom. I can't cook for my mom because she lives in Florida, but, you know, I would cook for her. Instead, I'll cook for my wife, who's a mom to my kids. How about that? Maybe somehow that makes up for it. Uh, and then we closed out the show with pitmaster of Lake House Barbecue, Diane Mee. She uh, third place overall this past weekend in Renton, Washington, at the Sam's Club Local. And uh, she'll be moving on to Las Vegas Regional Final April 26th. Uh, if you have raw cast iron, season it each and every time. Little Pam, little Crisco, it starts to cool down. Hit it with that grill brush. Let it burn back in each and every time. Generations of rust-free service. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, your program host, proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.